to rap what key beat to lock but I'm cool like that 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 I'm cool wake up wake up 502 it is going down on a Saturday morning 96.1 FM 1450 AM the big X sports radio WXVW this is your boy Rashawn Myers for wake up 502 here coming to you live from the palatial studios of WXBW over here in Southern Indiana. It is an absolutely perfect, perfect morning. Uh, wonderful drive over. No clouds in the sky. It was uh, just a nice, easy ride. No traffic. That's the way I like to get my morning started, man. And we're going to be with you for the next couple of hours talking all things sports. Uh, very, very excited to be here. I will be joined uh, by my esteemed colleagues a little bit later on. I do expect to have Haven Harrington in studio, and who knows, Joe Kelly may uh, check in with us as well. I uh, have a, a bunch of things to talk about, most of those things being uh, in the uh, in the professional ranks, a lot of NBA going on right now. Uh, you know, I would love to talk, um, you know, a bunch of things with the uh, University of Louisville Athletics, both basketball and football, but 
you know, <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like the only way I can confirm that Kenny Payne is still the coach of Louisville is because I know he's uh, been at the Peach Jam on the sidelines, at least from a lot of the tweets and the people uh, around basketball have confirmed is that, you know, Kenny Payne is down there evaluating prospects at the Peach Jam. Uh, so <laughs> good to know that he's still there. But uh, it's kind of crazy that the man has literally not spoken a word to anybody in the media uh, since the end of the basketball season. So, uh, you know, don't know much about him uh, and what's going on with the, the Louisville basketball program outside of, of course, you know, the the, the coach you know, basketball commitment announcements and things of that nature. But I have not heard heard or seen hide nor hair of Kenny Payne in a little while. Football uh, is definitely different. Jeff Brown uh, and, and the uh, Louisville football uh, team, get to see a lot of them. I, I definitely want to uh, pick Haven Harrington's brains uh, and, and his thoughts on the uh, Top Gun uh, promo that, they, uh, that the uh, Louisville football uh, department put out, uh, of course, on social media. Uh, I thought it was... Uh, interesting. I, 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 you know, there was a lot of uh, responses to that, uh, you know, and of course we also had the uh, uh, information that came out this week about Louisville football, um, you know, and of course college football just in general, talking about the teams and their predicted, uh, uh, the teams that are predicted to be favored uh, in their matchups. Uh, that was a lot of conversation as well. So I definitely want to get into that. Um, and, you know, of course, we have Victor Webinyama. He made his NBA Summer League debut last night, taking on the Charlotte Hornets and Brandon Miller, the number two pick uh, in the NBA draft. Um, you know, that, that was a very interesting situation. And, of course, the overreactions are everywhere. Um, you know, I, I wanted to see, um, you know, what some of these guys were going to uh, look like uh, early on, uh, and it's it's been you know everybody always overreacts about summer league, especially when it comes to the, these prospects that just get so so hyped up that you know we over analyze and you know kind of over react to what we see out there, good or bad. Um, so you know there's a, there's so many things that go into uh, what these young men are doing and what they're getting done uh, on the court that we just have to just just chill out and relax. Um, so, you know, I do want to get into that. Dame Lillard, of course, uh, some of the things going on with him and trying to force his way out of Portland, and not only trying to force his way out of Portland, but trying to force Portland into going to, a, you know, specific teams. We have this weird uh, have this weird uh, play-in tournament thing that, that the NBA is trying to get to. So we have we have plenty to, uh, to talk about, plenty to get to, um, you know. But I, I definitely uh, feel like we should start um, that. Let, you know what? Since Haven Harrington is not here yet, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with. <laughs> talking about uh, the debut performance of Victor Webinyama. And the reason why I want to do that is because I do want to get Haven Harrington's thoughts on, on some of these uh, football topics. So I, like, I always like to save the football topics until uh, Haven gets there. Uh, you know, that, that's just one of those things that, you know, I, I decide that I, I feel is the best. Um, so let's go ahead and get into Wimby, man. Let's let's talk about Victor Webinyama. Um, made his debut last night. Um, this overall, the Spurs got the win, seventy six seventy eight. Um, but Victor, uh, the big man, struggled a little bit. I mean, he did. You know, the 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 um, stat line is not terrible. Uh, Nine points, eight rebounds, uh, five blocks, three assists. 
I mean, that's not bad. He had a, a plus four, plus minus um, for the game. But, of course, everybody was just uh, wanting to just <laughs> analyze every dribble. Uh, people thought, you know, with so much hype around the young man, I've heard, you know, people talk about, um, this is the best prospect since LeBron James. This is the best prospect that, you know, that, that we've ever seen. So, of course, everybody thought that you were going to get, um, you know, the, the, the greatest player uh, to ever lace up tennis shoes coming out there, and they thought that he was going to come out and just dominate game one. Well, I'll say this. Um, I liked what I saw last night. Now, the shooting was difficult. I mean, Victor was 2 of 13 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. Um, so, that you know, definitely struggled uh, shooting the ball, uh, struggled with some of the – uh, you know, but ball handling situations where he was trying to tack off the bounce, um, not understanding that, especially in this league versus what he faced over in Europe, uh, the teams are a lot more explosive athletically. Um, so he's going to have to fix some of those things. But the things that I did saw that I did like his his ball handling per se in terms of being able to dribble the ball without and take his man one on one. Uh, he looked good doing that. Um, where he came into trouble was as he was dribbling, he would dr- over dribble. So, you know, in, in the NBA, they always say you need to get everywhere, anywhere you're going to go, you need to get there in two or three dribbles. They say that that's, that's kind of the maximum is that you have to get somewhere two to three dribbles tops and then, you know, get into your move or, or create to pass the ball or get your shot off. Um, he's going to have to learn that. Uh, Victor was definitely – uh, over dribbling, uh, you know, because I like once again the athleticism, the quickness, the help defense isn't necessarily as um, quick overseas as it is in the NBA. The NBA is definitely uh, the more athletic league in terms of uh, you know in comparison to what you will see overseas, uh, where you get into where things are you know in my estimation better. Uh, over there than it is here is just the physicality overall physicality of the game uh it's definitely more balanced so the defense does have its advantages um you know whereas the defense in in America does not get nearly the leeway that they do overseas um so I do think the physicality is there and the skill set of the guys the more balanced game in terms of inside outside and I do think that makes for a better uh, more well-rounded player um, and I think that Victor Webinyam will be fine. His shooting wasn't great, but uh, you know, de- rebounding he was okay. He got pushed around a little bit. Uh, was a was a nice presence on on the uh, defensive side. Of course, he did have the five blocks, um, and then he, I saw the, the vision and the passing, and he did a good job with that. So all, you know, all in all, I'd, I'd give I'd give Victor eh, C plus B minus uh, for his first game. Uh, not great, not terrible. Uh, you know, I pretty much thought that he did what he was supposed to do. Um, so, you know, I mean, it is it's it is what it is. Um, I don't think it was awful in terms of uh, the number two pick, Brandon Miller. Uh, he showed some very interesting things. Um, big guy with a very, very nice jump shot. Um, I thought that he did uh, a pretty good job of getting into his shot. Um, you know, one of the things I have noticed is that uh, – these guys are very, very three-point happy. Um, you know, everybody. there's just so much focus being put on uh, these players to get out there and shoot jump shots, man, that, uh, you know, sometimes they get a little overboard uh, with what we're, you know, with what they're doing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really know 
uh, you know, what what I don't know what the plan is a lot of times, you know, with with, with what they're, they're teaching these guys because yeah, it's a little it just gets a little iffy. It just gets a little iffy <laughs> with uh, some of the shots that they're taking. But Brandon Miller uh, played a very, very nice game. Uh, he went out there, uh, got a ton of shots up, um, hit a couple of threes, made a couple of difficult difficult shots out there. Uh, and, and, of course, we do have our, our, my brother Haven Harrington jumping in there uh, in the seat as well. Uh, Haven, how you doing this morning? What's going on, Big Rock? Man, I can't call it, man. I, you know, I, d- just kind of reacting to um, some, of, some of the things that, that I saw last night uh, in the Summer League. Victor Wabanyama, the, the most hyped prospect of all time, you know, making his debut. Everybody was uh, overreacting to everything. Victor kind of struggled a little bit uh, shooting the ball. And, of course, uh, you know, everybody is – Getting on him about that. He got dunked on last night. <laughs> the big seven. I don't know how tall. Like, I've heard everything about how tall he is. I, I You know, I've heard 7'5", and, you know, they kept calling him 7'5 at the NBA draft. But today, or excuse me, last night, uh, when the Spurs had him out there, they said he's 7'3". So I don't know what where the truth is. Um, but, you know, 7'5", 7'3", I don't know. He's but tall. He's really tall. He's really tall. He's really long. And for a dude that, that that's that big that can honestly – he was handling the ball, bringing the ball up like the point guard last night for the Spurs at that size, you know, and, and looked comfortable doing it. It wasn't like one of those things where he was uh, – looked uncomfortable at all, ever dribbling the ball. The only places he got into trouble handling the ball is like literally where all, you know, bigger players that handle the ball get into trouble, and that's trying to attack in the paint. You know, dribble, 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 spin, move. You can't do that in the NBA. Like you, you just you 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 don't have the time to do that. You have to be able to make quick decisions. But no, but you know, he's he's a young guy still. You know, he's still learning American ball, right? Exactly. And it's, it's going to take a while for him to adjust to how we play ball over here versus how he played in in Europe. Yes, yes. I mean, like I said, the the biggest difference being that the athleticism of the guys, the the, the closing speed of the pl- the players that he's playing against is going to be a lot more. Uh, uh, it's just going to be a lot more aggressive. It's going to be a lot more spectacular in terms of of guys' ability to close. So he's going to have to learn that. But I think he has all the skills. Like he, he was impressive. You know, of course, like like we talked about, Haven. The biggest thing for him is you know, can he stay healthy? Guy that size. You know, you always worry about his feet. You worry about his ankles, shins, especially because Victor's a very slight to build. I don't know if that dude's 200 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like it. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a sandwich. Brother needs a sandwich or two. Well, you know what? If, if Kevin Durant can do it for as many years as he has, there's probably a pretty good chance that Victor can too. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. I mean, he needs to get – I think he might need to get with uh, uh, Giannis – uh, you know, because Giannis was a skinny little string bean when he first got in the NBA as well. His first couple of years, you know, he was – Yeah, a, but, but Victor's game is going to dictate that he can't get that big because he's going to be more like a one of these super extra long point four type of guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but Giannis, he does some of the same things, you know. Yeah, but, but that's not Giannis' strength, though. Like, Giannis' strength is still that mid-range posty type game. I, I, know he, I know he can shoot threes. He likes to, to shoot threes, even though his – he makes his bread and butter in the paint, or at least around the free throw line on end. Yeah, um, yeah. And but Victor seems to be a guy who's gonna make most of his money on the outside, like a true seven foot three guard. 
Yes. Yes, yes. So to speak. And I think everybody's going to try to bill him as a 7-3 guard. And since the, you know, as as we all know, like, the NBA is in love with the three-point shot. And they try to make everybody <laughs> yes. a three, I mean, everybody a three-point shooter. Yes. So I would not be surprised if they just let him just hang around the, the three-point line and shoot threes all day and then try to take somebody off the dribble whenever possible. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of what we saw with the other guy, with number two pick, Brandon Miller, um, you know, out of Alabama. Uh, he did have 16 points and 11 rebounds, uh, three steals, so so not a bad stat line there. Uh, three of 10 from three-point range. So, once again, like we just talked about, another guy, 6'10", 6'11", uh, shooting a bunch of threes uh, with those 10 three-pointer tips for Brandon. Uh, you know, but not bad. You know, he, he he has a little bit more size on him. He's a little bit more physically ready for the rigors of the day in, day out. Um, I didn't I, I didn't mind his his start. You know, I, I think that he's going to bring a lot uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. I think with he and uh, LaMelo Ball um, and Terry Rozier, I think that's going to be a nice little group they have there. They still need to get Miles Bridges' uh, contract situation together. Um, but I do think Brandon Miller is going to be nice. Like he, he looked very comfortable out there. And, you know, like I said, these guys are going against – um, you know, mainly G League guys or, or first or second year players. So this is kind of, you know, this is definitely NBA light. It's not like you're going out there and playing against the best. Um, but, you know, I, I think that for both guys, Victor and for Brandon Miller, uh, they showed a lot. Now, Haven, <laughs> hey, we wanted to talk about this was the other thing with, with the Summer League that I'm going to uh, talk about since uh, we're already on the topic. And that is my man. Now, of course, we remember Imani Bates. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the the phenom that that reclassified uh, went to college early, played his first year at Memphis. Things didn't go well. Everybody thought Imani Bates was going to end up at Louisville the next year, um, but for some reason that just didn't work out. Of course, Imani went on to go over to Eastern Michigan, ch- uh, chuck up a lot of shots. Um, did not get drafted in the first round, but did go in the second round to, uh, you know, of course, my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers, home of one Spider Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so, uh, you know, I wanted to see what Imani was going to look like last night. Let me tell you something, Haven. Horrible. The first five shots of the game, Imani came down and jacked up threes for Cleveland. <laughs> like, literally, his first five shots were just Horrible threes, and and I, I talk about the young man like he the the stat line sounds okay, sixteen points, six rebounds, no assists, which doesn't surprise me at all that he had zero assists, thirteen three point attempts last night. He hit four of them, but the the crazy thing to me, Haven Harrington, is that when I look at Amani Bates, that young man was failed by his people. And what I mean by that, he only has one thing that he can do, Haven. Shoot threes. Like the, the young man is six foot ten. Now, of course, he only weighs 170 pounds. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's part of the issue. But the fact that that young man who was, you know, Amani Bates was the who's who on the high school circuit. He was probably the number one player for about two and a half, three years. You know, we, we heard about Imani Bates. We heard about him being the next Kevin Durant. I heard about him being the next big thing for so long. Uh, of course, a super hype prospect. But I really wasn't sure why NBA people fell out on him so badly and why he struggled so badly at Memphis and Eastern Michigan. And the thing that I, I realized is that he 
only knows how to shoot threes. So the only thing he wants to do is come down and take bad three-point shots. Like the kid has no game in the middle. He can't get into a, you know, a pump fake and step in and shoot a 18-20 footer. He has no low post game or, or low post footwork as a six foot ten guy. Like, I don't understand how you can have a player that has that much ability and that much potential. And you don't get him ready to play basketball. Like, to me, that was the biggest thing that stood out. It wasn't even about how Amani played because I think that he's going to have an opportunity um, to be all right in time. Like, I don't know if he'll be ready to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers anytime soon because of the limitations of his game. But for you to have a kid that has that much talent with his size and speed and quickness as a six foot ten guy, how you failed him that horribly that he can't do anything except shoot threes. Well, because, I mean, unfortunately, that is most of, of the NBA today, right? Like, when you watch the NBA, and I understand right now the NBA is just like baseball was a couple of years ago, where it's all about analytics. Yes. Where Threes and layups. Yes. Where everybody comes down and, you know, they analyze everything to death. And I was like, you know what? If you just take number threes, that equals this many mid-range jump shots, and it makes more sense just to shoot three-pointers. And take guys off the dribble and get layups because that's what analytics say, you know, wins games. Well, somebody needs to tell those nerds, first of all, the two teams that made the NBA Finals were two teams that pretty much got all had all their success in the mid-range and in terms of passing the ball and not focusing on threes. When you talk about Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler's a mid-range player. Jimmy Butler's a guy who makes most of his money attacking the basket and then shooting shots in that 18 to 20 foot range. You know, Nikola Jokic, even though he's a big guy who can shoot threes, he was only shooting one or two or three three point shots a game. But most of his money was made attacking the basket, working in the mid range, either passing or shooting the ball, hitting little floaters, things of that nature. Same thing with, uh, uh, you know, Jamal Murray. You know, while Jamal Murray was a very good three-point shooter, that pick-and-roll game shooting that pull-up 20-footer, that was his money. That was his bread and butter. Like, and, and that's the thing that just makes me sad for Imani because I feel like he's going to have a lot more difficult time making it because you're right. People see the Steph Curry highlights. People see Klay Thompson hitting all these threes. And we've gone so far towards – you know, everybody wanting to come down and jack up three, these three-point shots, and we've forgotten how to play basketball. I mean, like, like you can watch entire NBA games, and the majority of shots are behind three-point line. Well, I mean, I'll say this. That does happen with certain teams, but the teams that are successful, if you watch the Lakers when they made their run, LeBron's not out there jacking up a bunch of shots. You know, where's the, where's Austin Reeves and those guys making their money while even though, even though they can shoot the ball? All that stuff is created off handling the ball, attacking the basket, and then kicking out to shooters. You know, you have to have a balanced game. Like, if you don't have the ability to put the ball on, you know, on the deck, Andrew Wiggins was a young man who came over, had some of the same issues early where he didn't understand the value of being able to handle the ball and to create off the bounce to be able to set up the ability to get a shot. Like, just the balance of the game. The thing that just made me so sad about watching Imani Bates was the fundamentals of the game, of what it takes to be. Because those things haven't changed. Like, you have to have a counterpunch. 
Steph Curry doesn't just come down and jack up the ball. Okay, he has the ability to set up what he does by moving off the ball, by attacking the basket, by doing those other things to be able to get you into good shots. Like basketball is still basketball. It hasn't changed. You know, it hasn't changed. The things that make you successful still make you successful. You have to have a real, a well-rounded game. And the fact that Imani Bates, a kid that had every advantage, he had everybody around him. He had all of the support system around him. And to watch that kid have such a limited game, it just made me sad. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow. Are we serious? I mean, yeah, but you understand. That's what, you know, if you look at a lot of people teach the game, they're telling them, hey, look, if you want to make it in the NBA, you got to be able to shoot threes. You got to have a nice three point percentage. That's what everybody does. They would try to get Ben Simmons to shoot threes. He can't shoot. <laughs> and he's a horrible shooter. Yeah. And they try to get him, they try to stick him on a three point line. Well, and the fact that Ben Simmons couldn't shoot kind of messed up the rest of his game because he came in as a much better player when he wasn't worried about shooting threes. Yeah. <laughs> like he's it's so ingrained that you have to be able to shoot the ball that now Ben Simmons can't do anything. Well, it's else. not just shoot the ball. Let's, let's, let's get it right. It's not just shoot the ball. You have to be able to shoot threes. Yes. In, in, in particular, like the two point game, you know, it's, it's like if you look at. Basketball today, especially NBA basketball today, the center position is almost a dead position. Yeah, no, no, yeah. It's like almost, and that's that's one of the reasons Joker's able to dominate so much because nobody can play center. Absolutely. There's, there's nobody to defend that position anymore. I mean, yeah, you have some tall guys down there, but they're mostly forwards. Yeah. Who rotate to play center, who occasionally rebound, who's trying to kick the ball out and shoot threes themselves. So like you barely, so like you don't have a true center anymore in the league. So when, once you get a true center, they dominate because who can stop them? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, it just, it just, it's, it's crazy. Some of the issues that guys have uh, with the fundamentals of the game, man. You know, like, like it just, it, it just for players of that ilk and players that have that much intensity, you would think that they would have more focus on. Um, Getting those, you know, get, getting the fundamentals. And speaking of the fundamentals, a young man who came out there and dominated, and you know, I'm not surprised at all. The darling of the of the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, and and the Kansas State Wildcats, Mr. Marquise Noel, made his uh, debut for uh, the Toronto Raptors. And uh, even though Marquise Noel is what five foot seven, five foot eight, something like that, something like that, a little bitty guy, 17 points, five assists, three steals on six of 12 shooting, four of six from three. And you know why his numbers look like that, Haven? Because the kid knows how to play basketball. He can shoot the three. He hit four of them. He hit as many threes as, as what Amani Bates did on, what, the seven less attempts? And you know why? Because he knows how to play. He knows because it's not about just being able to shoot. It's about shot quality. Now, shot selection. Exactly. The floor. You know, like those types of things matter. Shot quality. It's not about just coming up and how many times you can, you know, get your hands in position and throw that thing up towards the basket. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's a young man that I am very excited to see what he can do for the Toronto Raptors. Re return of the short guy to, yes. to, to the league. The little man. I mean, has been a little man in the league since, like, what, uh, Muggsy Bowes and those guys, Owen? Yeah, I mean, Mar uh, Marquise Noel, I mean, you, you had, um, oh, the little guy from Eastern Michigan, uh, Earl Boykins. He's probably the last little, little guard 
you know, he was kind of after right after uh, Muggsy uh, Bogues did his thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, you know, of course, you can go uh, way back uh, with Spud Webb. But it's kind of like Spud Webb's, Muggsy Bogues, Earl Boykins. And nobody else. Uh, and, and Earl was probably around five six, five seven. And then there hasn't really been any. So Mark I mean, Eason is going to be like, the next one. You know, like if you look at the NBA right now, just how you know everybody values size and length and all the measurables. Yes. I mean, you're looking at a league now that even almost shuns their nose at six foot point guards. <laughs> yes. Which used to be the norm, right? Being a six foot point guard, like used yeah. to be the norm. Yeah. Now it's like if you're not like six four, six five. Yes. You know, it's like you're not worthy to be a point guard anymore. Yes. I, I mean, so that that's why when I see a kid like Noel come out there, immediately have success, that just tells me, like, my eyes aren't deceiving me. When I watch that kid destroy the NCAA March Madness field the way he did, I look at that dude and I'm like, man, that kid is a pro. He should be playing in the NBA. You know, and, and I know that, that the, the chips were stacked against him because he's so small, because NBA guys – just don't want to see players that size play for what you know for whatever reason. I understand that they may be limited in terms of defensively what they can do uh, because of their size, because there are bigger guards out there. But I mean, if you can play ball, you can play ball. So I, I am definitely chairing that. That's why, like, my son has adopted the Toronto Raptors as his new kind of surrogate team because he loves Marquise Noel and he loves uh, the guard out of Kansas, Grady Dick. Uh, he feels like a lot of people made fun of him, uh, especially <laughs> because of his suit selection with his ruby red slipper suit <laughs> that he wore at the at the draft and just kind of people. Anytime you see kind of a white shooting guard, everybody kind of no, no, first of all talks about him. Should have started Blades of Glory <laughs> with that suit of his. It was it was special. It should be on Disney on Ice. But but Cameron didn't like the fact that everybody was kind of making fun of him and saying that he was going to be a bust and stuff. So he's kind of adopted the Toronto Raptors as kind of his surrogate team. So uh, you know I I'm sure he's going to be excited to see that, uh, especially Marquise Noel getting off the way he did. So uh, you know I, it was it was interesting things going on in the NBA Summer League. I, I am a big basketball guy. Everybody knows this. So anytime I get an opportunity or a chance uh, to watch those uh, guys get out there and just play, um, it's fun. Uh, for me, but but I tell you what, man, we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna hit up this first uh, break. Uh, when we come back, I want to get into this, uh, you know, foot Louisville football uh, with my man Haven Harrington. Of course, if you want to get involved, the easiest ways to get involved: uh, the Thornton's text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Give us a text in there with your thoughts on anything you've heard or anything that you want to talk about. Uh, we also are gonna uh, get into uh, plenty more. So if you want to give us a call five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Uh, that is the Wake Up 502 buzz line, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, this is Rashawn Myers for Wake Up 502 and 96.1. Hey, what's up? This is Tajay of the Mighty Souls of Mischief Crew. I'm chilling with my man Festo, my man. Blessing my man, oh, you know he's dope. Yeah. And right now, you know, we're just maxing in the studio. We're hailing from East Oakland, California, and um, sometimes we, it gets a little yeah. hectic out there. But right now, you know, we're going to up you on how we just chill. Dollar seven digits, call up Bridget. Her man's a midget. Plus, he got friends, yo, I can dig it. Here's a 40 swigget, you know it's frigid. I got him chilling in the cooler, break out the ruler. Damn, that's the baddest dog I ever seen. The weather's keen in Cali, getting weeded next 
Welcome back. Welcome back in. Uh, this is Wake Up 502, second segment of the show. It's going down. A little Souls of Mission for you. 93 until. Uh, love that. That's one of them classic bangers. Uh, here uh, live in the studio, Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, taking care of you this morning. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of t- t- text coming in. Of course, if you want to get involved as well, uh, text in 502 414 1450. That is the Thornton's te- text line. Make sure you check out any of the 98,642 local area Thornton's locations. Get gas, get grub, get goodies, get slushies. Anything else you need, they got it. I'll tell you what, the Thornton's out on uh, Blankenbaker Parkway, Haven. Uh, and I know this is a, an aside, but if you go out 64, you get off on the Blankenbaker exit, um, and, and you head uh, south, and there's a Thornton's right there, right across the street from McDonald's, uh, or right next door to McDonald's. They have the best donuts. Like, literally. Like, I, I'm not I'm not playing. I'm, not, I'm telling you. If you get there early in the morning, because I used to work out there on Blankenbaker, Okay, and I used to go over there and get two donuts every morning, which is, you know, helped me put on a freshman 15, you know, even though I wasn't a freshman <laughs> when I first started working out there. But they have the best donuts. So, you know, they, they I'm telling you, go out to Thorns, they'll take care of you. Uh, but I, I do want to go ahead and get in uh, to this conversation. It was uh, earlier this week. A lot of people uh, had a lot of conversations about this. Haven Harrington um, discussing the upcoming college football season. Um, it was information that was given to uh, given to us by uh, the the great football pontificator himself, Mr. Brett McMurphy, uh, tweeted out. Um, he says uh, the number of games projected as favorites uh, in 2023 via at um, underscore Colin one. Uh, Colin Wilson is uh, does a power rankings. Okay, or, or power ratings, and the teams that came across with uh, to to be scheduled as the favorites um, or listed as favorites in all twelve of their games. There was only five of them: Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and your Louisville Cardinals. <laughs> and of course, the internet melted when they saw that Louisville is. Scheduled to be favored in all 12 of their games, at least by this guy's power ratings. Like, what do you think about that? Like, that, that Louisville is, like, we've talked about, like, we discussed this when Scott Satterfield was the coach, that this schedule for 2023 was going to be a very, very favorable schedule. And we've been talking about it for more than a year. But now to see it on print, especially now that you have Jeff Brom as the coach and you have everything around Jeff Brom in terms of what he's brought in, the number one transfer portal class in college football. Um, He's brought in a a ton of talent. Louisville returns a lot of talent. Um, It pretty much just confirms what we've been talking about, right? I mean, it it does. But this is is more about Jeff. I also think that this is all about Jeff. Because if you would have handled Satterfield the same class with the same transfers, we would we would not be favored in all our games. Oh no, no, I'm no, no that, absolutely. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's it's the, it's the combination of a very favorable schedule. You know, Louisville has all their most difficult games at home. You know, when you talk about the most difficult games on the on games on the schedule, what that's uh, Kentucky, Notre Dame. You know, like. Yeah. Those are the most difficult games on the schedule this year. So, you, you know, w- with those games being at home, it just – it already looked on paper, and we've discussed it, that we thought it looked good. But to have that, you know, confirmation 
that, that validation. Yeah, that you know what we saw with our eyes and what we discussed. Uh, it looks like there there's an opportunity for something special I mean, here, like, right? I mean, Jeff has already been talked about as being a top ten coach in college football, right? And a lot of people are basing this on the fact that he was able to put up a butt ton of points at West Kentucky, right? His offenses were off the charts. Defense, eh, Midland, right? You get to Purdue. You take a perennial doormat in, in Purdue, and, you know, you're in the Big Ten championship game. You lose the Big Ten championship game. You're you just over, you know, you're just, just not enough firepower, right? Right. You got this scheme and everything else, just not enough firepower. So people are looking at this like, man, Jeff can really coach. And now that he has as much talent as your other top-tier ACC teams, maybe say for Clemson, like what can he do with this talent? It's going to be off the charts. And that's why everybody's excited. They see that, like they know Jeff can coach. And he's been doing all this with inferior talent, especially at Purdue, right? He's been winning games with inferior talent. Yeah. Now, he has some players here, some players there, but, you know, you don't have that cohesive squad like Ohio State or Michigan or even Michigan State, right, or Wisconsin. You right. know, teams that can go pull four, four-star four guys at every position. In Ohio State's case, pulling five-star guys at most positions, right? He doesn't have that luxury. He's pulling two, three-star walk-ons. And coach them up, right? So now, if you can give him a squad, which you, which you, you know, it with looks a lot on more paper. Talent. On paper, it looks like, you know, yeah. On paper, much more talented team than what he's had so far. Yeah, on paper is a much. I mean, even the guys returning were much more talented than what he had at Purdue. So everybody was excited. Like, what can he do with this? Like, what can you do with all this talent coming back? Yes, you have a guy in Jack Plummer that was okay at UCLA. You know, he the guy couldn't beat out a walk on at Purdue and had to transfer. So you kind of think of me, man, you know, that's Louisville's starting quarterback. But ain't nobody cares. Everybody's still like, he's going to get it done. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, Jeff was able to make magic happen. I mean, that when they brought him out and named him, uh, I can't remember which one of the football writers came out and named him one of the top ten coaches. I don't know if it was a composite ranking, but they came out and said the top ten coaches in college football, and Jeff made that list at number ten. When you know he's considered to be one of the best, especially with like as you said, you know, the two years before he got to Purdue, I believe they won one game over the uh, over. A two-year time span. Yes, uh, uh, you know, before Jeff got there, and for him to immediately turn that program around, you know, consistently have them in bowl games, get them to a Big Ten championship game. Um, it's amazing the turnaround. So, as you said, when you look at the opportunity to upgrade the talent, you know, you bring in guys like Jamari Thrash, like Kevin Coleman. Um, you know, you do bring over Jack Plummer, who had a very good season for a, a very bad California team. Uh, you know, you think that there's going to be an opportunity uh, when you return what you do, and uh, you know, from a Louisville team that wasn't bad. I mean, you know, I, I give Scott Satterfield credit where credit's due. I mean, there's a reason that Cincinnati went out there and got him. No, you not know? really. I, I mean, no. I mean, honestly, he he got he got eight. <laughs> he got, he talked to Cincinnati fans. I mean, he got eight wins. Um, he's consistent. Uh, you know, he's not exciting. I mean, but I'm, I'm not going to rewrite history. Like, I'm not going to go out there and say Scott Satterfield was terrible. What Scott Satterfield was was 
a- average, you know, slightly above average coach. Yeah. Um, but he, you know what you're getting with him. And, and that's what he said with Scott. You know, we always said Scott would always be a 7-5. and five. Yeah, 7-5, 8-4. 8-4. And, 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 and every once in a while he may have a team that he can get to 9-3. and three. Yeah. And, But we thought that was kind of his the ceiling, his wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he had a good enough season to be able to get himself hired by Cincinnati, thankfully. Um, you know, and, and I think that that opened the door uh, for the Thank last you. opportunity. Thank you, Bearcat. That that Jeff Brown was able to uh, you know make his way over here. Uh, but you know, I, I think that when I look at it, yeah, I mean, home game versus Notre Dame, home game versus Kentucky. Everybody else on the schedule. I mean, I know Virginia Tech's a name. Duke has uh, had a decent year last year, but you know they haven't been what they have been. Virginia, okay. You know, that's another home game. So, you know, you look at it, at NC State is going to be a tough one at Pittsburgh. Those are probably the two most difficult games. I know there's a game at Miami um, at the end of the regular season just before the U.K. game. But every every November, Miami has basically mailed it in <laughs> for every year for the last, what, 18 years? It's like 2,000. By, by the time Miami gets into Notre, uh, uh, to November, they're usually horrible. Um, so not really worried about the at Miami game at the end of the year. So, I mean, I, I do look at the, the Pittsburgh and NC State games are definitely the most difficult games along with that home game versus Notre Dame. Uh, like that three-game stretch right there, right in the middle from September 29th to October 14th, um, that's going to be Louisville season right there at NC State, home versus Notre Dame at Pittsburgh, in my personal opinion. You know, like I think that those are going to be their three most difficult games. Those are going to be their three games that they have the biggest opportunity to lose. Um, you know, and of course, you know, I'm not discounting Kentucky at the end of the year, but we owe them something. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if there's one game where, I, you know, I know that Kentucky has won and I know that they've gone on a bit of a streak against Louisville, I don't care. That game is at home. Well, I'm you know, tired of losing to the Wildcats. Jeff like, Brom hates biggest, them. Yeah, the biggest difference is you have a coach that actually understands what a football rivalry is. Yes. So that makes all the difference in the world when you have somebody who understands the rivalry. Satterfield never quite got it. Like He never understood what a football rivalry was. Yeah. No, I, I agree Jeff with gets you. it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I I do think that Louisville's going to get that one. So I think that three that like I said, that three game stretch of at NC State, home versus Notre Dame at Pittsburgh. Um, if Louisville's going to have an opportunity to run the table and to just have a really special, you know, when we talk about being in the uh, the um, college football playoff rankings and and you know being in that conversation, that's going to be the three game run that really really sets them up for that. You know, so they're going to at least have that opportunity. I do agree. I think they should start five and zero. You know that that beginning at Georgia Tech, of course, which is going to be uh, in the uh, uh, Mercedes Benz Dome there in Atlanta, uh, home versus Murray State at Indiana in the uh, the whatever they call the the Lucas Oil. Is it still Lucas Oil or is it something else? It's now? still Lucas Oil. It is still Lucas Oil. Okay, so it's Lucas Oil up there playing, uh, taking on the Indiana Hoosiers. You know the Indiana people that are already talking smack that they, they can beat Louisville? And he should. Like, they came out in Jeff Brown's little video. I saw some of the comments, and, like, there's Indiana fans talking smack. They should talk smack. Uh, should they? Yes, they I mean, should. Indiana I, football. I know we're over in southern Indiana, so I know there's some Hoosiers fans out there listening. Do y'all really think that, that y'all can beat Louisville? They do. I mean, if you like, look, look, y'all know the text line 502 414 1450. 
any of my Indiana Hoosier fans out there. Like, I don't know if you all were any of the people that was talking smack because Louisville came out with their um, – did you get the opportunity – I know you said you hadn't seen the video. Did you get the opportunity to see the uh, uh, the, the video uh, from Louisville that, that they put out, the Top Gun? Yes, I watched the Top Gun video with, with the, the shirt, dad shirtless Jeff all on. in uh, effect there. <laughs> Making all those dads feel good shirtless. Shirtless Jeff Brom out there showing off the guns. It was the gun show. <laughs> It, it was the gun show, yeah. It was Knob Creek. Yeah, in fact. <laughs> he, he was definitely Knob Creeking it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Indiana fans—they like that was the funniest thing about it. Like, I just—I was surprised how many Indiana people got on there. Like, I don't know why that that the Top Gun promo made so many people upset. <laughs> like, oh, that's easy. Like, I don't understand. Like, what? What? Why is that? Because. Indiana could never beat Purdue when Brown was there. So, like, like this is, like, personal, right? Like, <laughs> And I get it, right? Because this is personal. It's like we couldn't beat this dude when he was at, a, you know, at Purdue. We, we got to beat him now. I mean, good Lord. I mean, I, I do. I want to hear I want to hear Indiana, any Indiana Hoosier football fan, if you believe, if you really honestly believe that Indiana has any chance against Louisville. Like, I don't even think Indiana could have beaten Scott Satterfield. And Louisville last year, like, come on, man! Like the Hoosiers have been awful the last couple seasons. Like that, they had a nice little um, resurgence there for a bit, but I mean, the Hoosiers are, have fallen on hard times. Louisville, while they have not been world beaters, they've been better than that. You know, I, I'm just saying. But you know, I, I did thought that was, I did think that was funny uh, that they were talking smack about the video. I liked the video. I thought it was. Um, Cute. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was just, I thought it was maybe just like 30 seconds too long, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> it was, it was, it was what it was. It, it was, a, it was a nice little spoof. People like the Top Gun movie. Top Gun Mavericks is actually a very good movie, uh, contrary to what, uh, tr- uh, you know, my buddy Trevor Kelsey. Uh, and you The know, Flash the, is not the, a the, very good movie. The, the producer for the, uh, you know, uh, the, during the, Flash the week. The Flash is horrible. The Flash is terrible? Oh, yes. Wow! Just, yeah, just yeah. Just, <laughs> well, just I, don't. I, no, I I I did like Top Gun. I, I thought it was uh it was a it was a good movie. I was entertained by it. So you know, coming off the heels of watching that movie, then seeing the the Louisville promo, I thought it was okay. But you know, I I do think just getting back to the Louisville football conversation, we've continued to talk about Jeff Brom has an opportunity for a special season out of the box. I know that a lot of people have been very apprehensive. Um, to go past that eight and four plateau because, of course, a coach coming in in his first year, you don't want to put too much pressure on him. And just the simple fact that Louisville, as we've talked about, they've only had two ten win regular seasons uh, in their history. So you know when you, you when you get afraid to start really going out there on a limb. But when you see Brett McMurphy's tweet and he talks about a, a team having the ability to be favored in every game or all 12 games. Um, it does get you excited. And it is confirmation and validation, as you said, Haven, uh, that there's an opportunity for a special season. Now, uh, not, not to be far behind, you do got to give a shout-out to UK. I know I said that I, I feel like we owe them one and, and you know, Louisville's going to get that done in the last game of the season. But Kentucky's fav- uh, set to be favored in nine games, uh, you know, according to this guy as well. Um, so he he thinks that UK will be favored in at least nine games uh, in an expanded SEC. Uh, well, of course, coming up next year, you got to think that you know this is going to be Kentucky maybe their last big chance for like a great season. Uh, you know they do add Texas to the uh, schedule 
next year. We kind of talked about the scheduling a couple weeks back. So, you know, at least according to uh, Mr. Colin Wilson, UK is going to be favored in nine games. Uh, so they're going to, and that's one of those games not being Louisville, obviously, because Louisville's favorite, you know, he has Louisville favored in all 12. Um, so, you know, he believes that Kentucky's going to have a chance to do some things. If you're Kentucky and you have a nine win regular season, uh, that's a big, that's a big year for them. And, uh, you know, a big year for the Cats. And that also means that, you know, if if Kentucky comes into that last game and they're, what, 8-3? and uh, eight and three? No, they'd be uh, – no, they, no, they'd be 9-and – what, 9-and-2? Yeah. They, they would be coming into that last game. If Kentucky comes into the last game 9-and-2 and Louisville's 11-and-0, Good lord, could you imagine the two top 25 show uh, top 25 show? Yeah, down? they're probably two top 15 teams. Yeah. If Kentucky's 9 and 2 if and t- Louisville, Kentucky's 9 and 2, yeah, they would be top 15 cuz they'll get the SEC. Absolutely. Down. Like, you know, you would think that they're only going to have a couple losses what Alabama and Georgia. That would mean their only losses would be to Alabama and Georgia coming into the last game of the season. Like <laughs> Could you Could you imagine the smack talk? Around here, if Kentucky's only two losses are to Alabama and Georgia and Louisville is undefeated with an, a chance to go to the college football playoff, because at that point, Louisville at 11-0 would be, you know, two or three at worst. So you got a, a top three Louisville team versus a top, possibly top 10 Kentucky team. Oh, goodness gracious. We could only dream. Haven Harrington couldn't sleep. He would not get any sleep the night before that game. We could only I, dream. I, would, I, I would venture to guess Haven Harrington would get zero sleep. I'd be so excited. I'll be I'll be in the stadium like before. <laughs> You'd be like, camping like that Wednesday, out. I'd be tailgating. Yes. Haven would just be camped out at the stadium. That would be his football wet dream. <laughs> It's to have two a top ten matchup of U of L UK in the last season of the regular season with an opportunity uh, to go to the ACC championship game and play in the college football playoff. Yeah, that would be crazy. I, I don't know if you all can handle that. I, I don't know if y'all ready for that. Like uh, that seems a bit much. I may even be a little bit. You know, it might keep me up a little bit too. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, but I tell you what, we are, we are already an hour into the show, Haven. Like, oh, wow, we're already at the top of the hour. It's ten o'clock, so we're gonna go ahead hit this break. On the other side, uh, we have plenty more to get into. Uh, got some more uh, NBA thoughts. If you all want to get on this football talk, of course, we already have a ton of text, so we're gonna get to those texts as well um, when we get back. Of course, if you want to get involved on the text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty, that is the uh, the Thornton's text line. Uh, give us a text in to wake up 502. You can also give us a call in 502-384-1450 if you want to get involved on the Wake Up 502 buzz line and, and talk to us over the year. Uh, and this is Rashawn Myers for Haven Hanson. We'll be back with our number two in just a sec.
And welcome back, welcome back in. Hour number two, Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrison taking care of you here live. WXVW 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. It's been a good show so far, Haven. Yo, I feel you. I mean, anytime you hear this beat, like, can you just like keep from bobbing your head? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, well, you know what? If we're a hip hop head, no, you can't. Come on now, you know. But if you're probably born 2000 up, you're probably like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't know. You, know, you ain't feeling that. You know what I'm saying? I feel sorry for you because now, nowadays your music is trash. I'm just playing. I always tell my son his music sucks all the time. Just make, I feel like I just makes me like the old man, but, you know. You are the old man. <laughs> so it's fine. You're definitely the old man. <laughs> I tell you what, man, before we get, we got a, a ton of text to get to, so definitely appreciate you guys continue to text those in 502-414-1450. But right now, we're going to wait. go to the Wake Up 502 buzz line. That is 502-384-1450 if you want to get in next. But we got a man Jay has on the line. Jay, how you doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hello, hello, hello. What's Jay? Good morning, sir. I'm doing, hey, I, hey. good morning. How you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Beautiful. What you got for me? Man, it's a, it's a lot going on, sir. Oh, yeah. Sports, sports is the only one package in the world right now. It's better, it's better than drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> it is, in fact, better than drinking Kool-Aid. Yes, sir. <laughs> Man, just, just around the corner, you got, you know, you got, you know, you got college ball coming around the corner. Up the street, you got NFL up the street. Yeah, before yeah. all that, you got a little summer league, NBA going on right now. You got Major League Baseball. I love it for the world. I mean, where else do you go and just love sports right now? Ninety-six point one. It don't get no better than that with Shining Haven. Oh yeah. Nope. Well, you're right. It doesn't. I'm telling you, man. Like, like there, there's a whole lot going on. Like what me and Haven were talking about before you got on the line, Jay, uh, was just the uh, conversation that you know there was like a one uh, sports uh, broadcaster that said that uh, he felt Louisville was going to be uh, favored in all twelve. Favored every game. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's correct. That's, you know, that's exactly what. Right. And, and I thought that was kind of interesting, right? That that you know that they think that Louisville's going to, like, we've been talking about how, you know, Louisville has a chance, but, you know, you've been saying that, uh, you know, that they've been talking about Jeff Brom, get ready, buckle your seatbelts. Well, hey, like, do you think Louisville has, is going to have a chance to win them all, Jay? Man, I, I you know what, you know what, Rashawn, you know one thing about, you know, life itself is about season. You know, everything that has a season. Yeah. Including sports, including, you know, football, basketball, whatever. But I think this might be the season, man. Absolutely. I mean, he, did a, he did a very good job at the transfer portal. He did a very good job at that. And uh, I just think this, Haven, and I talked about it earlier, at last month or so, that uh, I think Louisville will come out of there, man, at least uh, 10-2, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean that that seems like the most likely of outcomes is ten and two, you know, because Notre Dame is going to be tough. Like, let's not get it twisted; they've been one of the best teams out there. Uh, you know, Marcus Freeman, after a, a kind of a tough start there at Notre Dame in his first year, um, you know, last year for Notre Dame, they finished really strong. I think he was what zero and three to start the season, and they finished it like eight and three or you know eight and uh, nine and three or something like that. So yeah, I mean they, they're going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough game. They got UK at the end of the year. Which that's always going to be a tough game. Then they got a couple road games at Pittsburgh, at NC State. So you know it's not going to be easy. But hey, if you got a shot, you in the game, right? 
you, you better believe it. Rashad, you know what's so funny about the summer league? It is some of the, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just it's about the summer league. And some of these kids are jacking the ball up like overly can of <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. And Monty Bates was putting them up last night, wasn't he? He was, he was. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you sit in, you don't even go down, down low to the post. No, no, they don't even know what the post is. They they have no idea. Wow, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't know, Jay. I'm not off of shooting all them threes all the time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fan. I think they need to get a little no, bit more balanced. You know, I like, put, I like to put booty on them. You know, hey, man, back, back it up, man. Hold up, man. Hold up, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, hey, you gotta put that back. If you got that backside, that gets it done, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's that Moses Malone game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do believe the late Moses Malone alone, man? Hey, hey, hey. It's interesting too that um, 2024, Sean, that Kobe Bryant name yes. popped up again. Yes, yes. Mm. Kobe's going to be on the cover of 2K24. Absolutely. You know, I will own that Black Mamba edition. I'm telling you, I know Kobe is like my favorite of all time. You know what I'm saying? He is yeah, He yeah. is number one in, in, in my in my heart and the number one Laker yeah. of all time. He's number two Laker of all time. <laughs> oh, wow. I saw Haven looking at me through the glass. Everybody knows Kobe Bryant is the number one Laker of all time. He's number two Laker of all time. <laughs> Wow, Haven. Uh, Solid number two. Uh, here, here this guy goes. Hey, Magic wow. is Magic is still the best Laker of all time. <laughs> Magic is oh, the greatest wow. Laker. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about Kobe's stats. I don't care about his numbers. You don't care about his stats. I don't care about his 70-point games. Yeah. I don't care about none of that. Don't care about 82. Magic changed everything when he created oh Showtime. You just like the fact that Magic wore fur coats to games. That's all you care about. <laughs> He's Showtime. Yeah. I mean that 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 is the the Lakers have been trying to get back to Showtime since Magic retired. I mean they have. I mean, but you know, Kobe. Right, but none of them guys lead lead the NBA in scoring. Doesn't matter. He's Showtime. <laughs> See, Magic, right? his thing like Magic didn't have to lead anybody in scoring because his thing was 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 the facilitator. Yeah, he was. He that's why he's the second greatest Laker of all time. He's, he's the greatest Laker of all time. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> He, he played every position at all-star how many, level. How many covers has Magic Johnson been on for 2K? Doesn't matter. None. Oh, Doesn't matter. Oh, wow. How many times <laughs> Kobe Bryant sh- showed up with the, to arena with uh, Michael Jordan and all the greatest of all time? I mean. And fur coats. Yeah. Michael Jackson, all of them. Prince. Not Michael Jordan. It was, yeah, it was, it was definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson Prince, rest of them. Just Prince come down Russell. a tunnel. That's because Kobe did not suffer fools. He didn't want them people around him. No, it's because I'm not like Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> Kobe was about his business. You feel me? Yeah, and whatever. He, he was about the, He was about that business. He had the greatest offensive season for a shooting guard ever, Haven Harrison. Doesn't matter. Ever. Magic had the greatest highlights <laughs> of any Laker of all time. I don't know. I mean, he could never pass the ball like Magic ever I, I in his mean, life. He could do everything else better than Magic. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He couldn't pass the ball like, like Magic, but Kobe literally was better at everything else. He than couldn't Magic. play center like Magic. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's <laughs> that 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 is fair. That is true. Six foot eight. Yeah. Just saying. 
I, 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 all I'm saying, Jay, I appreciate you bringing that up. Absolutely. Uh, that's just confirmation. But congratulations to Kobe, uh, you know, for another. The late Kobe Bryant. Yeah, to, 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 you know, for the opportunity to get on another cover. It makes me very excited. So 2K people know how to get my money. I just know that. <laughs> Especially because yeah, they sure. put out a garbage game now. But, you know, sorry. It's not that bad. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. Well, Rashawn Haven, next next week I'm going to let you guys talk to uh, one of the biggest sports agencies in the uh, high school arena, Mr. John Watson out of Atlanta, GA. Okay. And he was All-American at uh, Ballard High School with Allen Houston and all them guys winning in state championships. Yeah. And he went overseas, 6'8", got a jump out as well, Mr. John White. We'll be talking to Haven and Rashawn next week about the huge, some of the top kids in the country. Uh, that he's actually uh, weighing in on, and hopefully can be, uh, you know, you know, maybe Rashawn's son might weigh in on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the, the, my my son is is definitely on the come up. You know what I'm saying? So who knows? He, he might might be able to get out there and do a little something, something. Uh, he, you know, he's uh, I I know just speaking of Georgia and in high school ranks, you know, Peach Jam is huge right now. I was talking about at the beginning of the show. You know, I I would not know that Kenny Payne was still the coach at Louisville if it wasn't for the fact that I've seen enough tweets saying that Kenny Payne is out there evaluating prospects down there at the Peach Jam. You know, in Georgia, because, you know, we ain't heard. Did y'all not realize that we have not heard one peep from Kenny Payne since his exit press conference? You know, since the last press conference for the last loss of the Louisville season, we have not heard one word from him. You don't need to. That's crazy. I don't think he's a people person. I don't think he likes to talk. He can't talk. I mean, he can't talk, can't talk. I have no clue. Like, that's just crazy to me, though, right? Like, like uh, you know, usually you'll have some kind of end-of-season close to the season press conference, and especially with the, you know, recruiting class that he brought in, with the transfer class he brought in, he's got a top class. You would have thought he would at least introduce the recruiting class. But, no, we haven't heard anything. Like, I just thought it was kind of weird, you know, that, that we haven't heard anything from him at all. Like, we may not hear from Kenny Payne until the start, uh, you know, until the uh, media day, basketball media day. And that's not until what October. So right. I, I, the Haven, you don't think that's odd that he hasn't spoken? Hey, look, 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 I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. Kenny gonna talk to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that man alone. He doesn't have to talk to you or anybody else. All he has to do is win games and get ballers. Look, he went out and did his job. He got ballers. He flipped uh, the roster in the offseason, which everybody said he needed to do, and he did it. Leave him alone. I he's, he's doing his thing. But isn't like the, the is haven't they talked about the fact that being the the coach of Louisville, it's more about than just coaching games. Like you have to be a PR guy. You have to do that type of thing because that's what the fans expect, right? They expect interaction. Like the, the I I just I don't know if it's helping him the fact that he just hasn't like I just thought it was odd because you know I heard about you know because Kenny's been pretty much on the sidelines for all four days of the Peach Jam. Uh, he's been there. He's been very visible with the players. So he's doing his job out there recruiting. But I just thought about it. I'm just like, yeah. this dude, ha- we haven't heard anything from Jay. Isn't that, don't you think that's kind of weird? No. Weird, weird. Kind of real weird. Look, look my but man Coach is would have said something a long time ago. I mean, you would have thought he would have at least want to come out and rub it in people's faces that he went out there and had a top three recruiting class. You know? No, no. no look, no. He, look, the man is working. The man knows that, look, he has a lot of things to fix. He's he's putting the plan together. He's working the plan. Haven, I didn't know I didn't notice it, but you have that I heart Kenny Payne t shirt on today. I didn't that's that's nice. That's cute. That's real cute. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
let man do his thing. He just, he, he just need to talk. look. He'll talk to you when it's time to talk to you. The beginning of the season, he'll come out, have his press conference as usual. He'll let you know what's going down, and he's gonna let the players on the court do all the talking for him. Okay, yes, sir. That's that's that you know that's that is one way to do it. That that is absolutely one way to do it. So. Because in your scenario, and in your dream fantasy of a the two top ten Louisville and Kentucky going at it in the in the last game of the season. That's gonna make up for your nightmare <laughs> of two unranked basketball teams struggling <laughs> with all freshmen. That's fair. Doing pillow fights and darts at each other. Wow. On the, on the court. Well, Jay, I appreciate your call this morning, brother. All right, sir. All right, man. Have a good one now. Yes, sir. <laughs> Jay has always checking in, man. Hey, but it's it just was odd to me, you know. Like I don't, I, I'm not happy or or sad about it. I think that he definitely, you would just think that public relations is a very important thing, trying to sell the program coming off a very difficult season, and I feel like trying to ignore it, act like it didn't happen, act like um, you don't need to talk about it or something like that. I just I don't know what good that does the program uh you know so i I would like to to hear from him at least a little bit um you know the fact that he hasn't done it is fine that is his prerogative um i just think that it just doesn't help necessarily so we'll see we'll see uh you know everybody has their, their own way of doing things so uh you know hopefully it'll work out for kenny um so you know it is what it is, but I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and go uh, to the Thornton's text line. We have a, ton, a bunch of texts coming in, uh, so definitely want to get to those right now. Uh, texter says, good morning, Wake Up 502. Main event, the 502 culture, is, is, I got a couple things for you. Um, first of all, he wanted to know what the Trenton Flowers announcement was uh, that they had on the Maven show earlier this week. Uh, Trenton Flowers was on and uh, publicizing uh, some uh, some charitable uh, things that he's doing here in town. Um, I, I don't have the specifics of it on me, uh, but I know that Trenton Flowers, if you go to his um, his uh, uh, Instagram or you go to his Twitter page, um, he has a link. He's going to be doing uh, some events for kids, uh, you know, with his uh, charitable organization here in town. Um, so, you know, definitely that's the one thing that, especially with this NIL Haven that I've, I've enjoyed is the fact that these kids have an opportunity, A, uh, to make some money, but B, that they're, you know, giving back to the community and doing things like forming these organizations and they're able to publicize what they're doing. Uh, so, you know, good on Trenton Flowers for that. But, yeah, it was definitely um, some sort of a charitable event that, that uh, Trenton has coming up. Uh, so definitely check out uh, his Twitter page for much more on that. He said second is um, he wants to know, is the TBT tournament worth going to? He says, I don't – he says, because I don't want to get teased – um, because I miss the Patino style with the pressing, shooting threes, playing fast. Uh, I'm going to shake my head at KP. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. And I did see a video of um, Russ Smith out there working some guys over at the, uh, um, at the, the, the D-Lo camp. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll say this. I think that the TBT is going to be awesome. I have tickets for me and my son to go check it out. Um, I definitely think Louisville fans should go out there and get, uh, you know, get out there and watch them. Now, I do want to let you all know, this is not some sort of league. This is not um, a uh, multi-game event. If you lose, you are out. So, you know, if you're going to get tickets, 
I say go ahead and get a ticket to at least the first game. I know some people's bought tickets to multiple games, but you have to understand if Louisville loses, they're out of the tournament. It's single elimination. So, uh, you know, you're done, baby. Yeah. So you want to get out there the first game and, and check them out because there's no guarantee if they go out there, they're, they're playing the Auburn alumni team in the very first game of the tournament. If they lose to that Auburn team, they're out. So you want to get out to see them early. Um, you know, if they continue to move on, of course, they're going to end up having they can end up having four games. Um, at the uh, at Freedom Hall, so there will be additional opportunities as long as they continue to win. But I definitely say they just announced uh, earlier this week that Cal Keurig is going to be part of the team. So uh, you know, Cal's corner is coming back to Freedom Hall. He the man is he, he closed down Freedom Hall Haven Harrington back in 2011 or was it 2010 or 2011, and he had that big 20-point game, and they knocked off number one Syracuse. Uh, Cal Keurig closed it down, so Louisville, uh, you know, the Louisville guys returning to Freedom Hall, uh, it, it's fitting that Cal Keurig is going to be a part of that. So very, very excited. I mean, they have a great team. I mean, we talk about having Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, uh, Wayne Blackshear, Cal Keurig, Shinanu Anawaku, Rakeem Buckles. Uh, you know, they have a lot of uh, former Louisville guys on that team. They have a lot of talent on that team. Shane Bahannon is going to be a part of it as well. I mean, it, it, it's going to be an opportunity to get out there, uh, you know, have some excitement, relive the good old days. You know, you're going to be in Freedom Hall. They still got all the jerseys and stuff hanging up there. So, absolutely, go out there, check it out, man. Um, I, I would definitely say you want to do that. Uh, Texter also says, uh, he says, did you like the the, the shirtless Jeff Brom uh, football video? Yeah, we talked about that a little earlier. I liked it. Um, it, you know, it is what it is. I mean, Jeff Brom coming out and being kind of like the maverick dude with the sunglasses on, I mean, because that was pretty much the setup for uh, you know, Top Gun, you know, the old guy coming back and uh, showing off his, his skills for the young people. So uh, I'm okay with it. I like it, you know, for a uh, 40-something guy to see Jeff Brown out there, you know, Guns doing his blazing. thing. Absolutely. I, I'm not the, the <laughs> what you call it, the Knob Creek? <laughs> Knob Creek gun range, baby. Welcome <laughs> to the gun show. Yeah, you know I'm saying he had a, he had his Knob Creek thing going on, so yeah, it's all good. Um, Haven, this one is for you. A uh, texter says uh, this one's for Haven. Uh, it says who will win uh, this Louisville football game? He says uh, you have Bobby 1.0 Louisville football 0607 team, the Orange Bowl squad versus Charlie Strong's 2012-2013 Sugar Bowl squad with Teddy Bridgewater. Who wins that game? Oh, good Lord. That's a good one. <laughs> that would be a I – mean, that's like offense going against defense, strength against strength. And he said the winner would take on the 91 Fiesta Bowl Schnellenberger team. <laughs> mm. So who wins that one? Orange Bowl team versus Sugar Bowl team. Teddy Bridgewater uh, versus uh, Brian Brom. You know, I would probably have to give the edge – to the 2013-2012 team. Oh, really? Yeah, I would. I have to think Ooh, about it. That is... I, I would have to give the edge. Mainly because Bobby in big games tends to coach conservatively in big games. Uh, yeah. And he did against the Orange Bowl, right? He kind of took his foot off the gas against Wake Forest. Oh. Uh, and I think that that defense that Strong had would even give Bobby fits. Yeah, and had enough, and we had enough offense to really challenge that team's defense. Okay. So 
yeah, I, I would have to give the slight edge to 2012, 2013. That would be a hell of a game. And though. I know Mario hates me for saying I know. That. Mario Yerudia is cursing you right now. Hey, but somewhere Mario is in. riding around town listening to Wake Up 502, and he is cursing your name. And then taking that team against the 91 team. Yeah, Browning Nago and crew. Man, see, that's uh, – Ted Washington. You see, I'm, I may, I'm almost leaning towards like the 91 team on that one. That would even be though, a very physical affair right there. Even though the 2012 team has more talent and they're both very physical teams, man, that would – Hey, that 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 91 team has some junkyard dogs on it though, man. Oh, man. And you talk about talent, you know, that like high-end talent. You're talking about Ted Washington, Ray Boo. Sam – yeah, you had – Sam Madison. Yeah, you had – yeah, that that was a that was a squad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a squad. Mike Flores, you know, you had a friend of the show. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a squad and a half. Uh man, that that'll be a tough one. I I I still think though that I may have to get the edge to ninety one team, but I think they all lose to the two thousand to Bobby's two thousand four team. Yeah, the, I, yeah, that, that's the one you go back to, right? Like that, yeah. that, 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 that is team, still my favorite Cardinal team of all time. The 2004 with Stephon LaFleur's was just beyond dominant. Except for when they played Blake Bortles. That's 2012. No, no, who was it? No, that, that was the game they lost to. Who that's they Miami. No, it was the Miami team, yes. Devin Hester. That was Devin Hester, right? That's right. That's when Bobby nah, kicked that's the right, off the that's team right. because he's talking about the No, that, that was the, the Teddy Bridgewater team lost to Blake Bortles. Right. Uh, both of those teams lost. The, the, who was the quarterback for Miami in that game? Um, uh, uh, what's that Dorsey. kid? Dorsey. Yes. Dorsey. No, no, Dorsey wasn't the, the oh, Dorsey. Was, was no, him? that was the it was the kid that transferred into Miami. I can't think. Oh. Um. Oh, I can't remember that guy's name. I I do remember that the the Devin Hester kick re, kick return because of course um, I was at the game and the drop interception. Yes, Kerry Rose. Yeah, Kerry Rose dropped dropped it, but I can't remember the kid's name. It was the transfer. He only played. I think he may have transferred in from Ohio State. He was only there in Miami for one year, um, but he was the, he was the guy who was leading that game, and he threw just a cherry pick interception that would have ended the game. Uh, for the Cardinals and Kerry Rhodes dropped it. Yes, uh, I was getting my heartbreak between that game, the Rutgers game, and the uh, Blake Bortles game. Those three games live in my. You know, it's, it's something about Louisville. Uh, Louisville gets up twenty-four to seven. About that score, Eesh. we just lose it. Yeah, that just brings up sad memories. We going to break Haven Harrington. That just made me sad. Why do we have to talk about them games? But yes, I, I still off. think the two thousand yeah, four squad. That oh four squad. Yeah, maybe not talent wise, but the way they played know. together. That, that team had, but they a lot had talent, talent too. They had that, that. That was probably one of the most well balanced teams. I mean, and then taking on that Boise State State squad, who I thought was one of the better teams that didn't get any uh, recognition. They of course did go on to beat Oklahoma um, the, the year after. The year after, and then they got all their props. But all the guys that were on the team to beat Oklahoma. Was on that team that Louisville beat the year pre, you know, prior, and neither team, even though it was a top ten matchup, I believe it was number eight versus number ten. Yeah, uh, got no, you know, no love, no love at all for for how good either one of those two teams were. But I tell you what, we're going to go ahead take our next break, last break of the day. Wake up five hundred two. This is Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, and we'll be back on the Big X.
And welcome back in. Welcome back in to Wake Up 502 on this beautiful Saturday morning here in the Ville. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington taking care of your last segment of the show. Little Who Shot You coming back. Uh, instrumental, Notorious B.I.G., one of my favorites of all times. <laughs> and we are back. Haven Harrington, I wanted to ask you about this and see what you thought about it. Uh, the NBA uh, announced earlier this week that they are going to do an in-season tournament. They've announced that for some reason, about two months into the uh, NBA se- uh, in the NBA calendar, sometime around, sounds like right around Christmas time, they're gonna have they're gonna host a single elimination tournament during the NBA regular season, and they're gonna crown a champion, give out a trophy, and everything for NBA teams to play in this, like. What do you like? What I've never really heard of anything like this in American sports, to where you literally, just, especially in professional sports, where you just play a tournament out in the middle of the year, like not even the middle of the year, kind of the first third of the year. Oh, oh, oh sorry about that. Let me tell you. I guess it works better if your microphone's actually on. Go ahead. So again, sorry about that. I guess I don't know. To me, that sounds more like a a loge management a loge load management festival about to take place in the midseason. Yeah, like who's going to play in that? Oh, I mean, he's all the backups. It's like, like the best six-man tournament. Like, it's just, it's just, it's very weird to me. Like, I've never heard of a having a tournament in the middle of the, I just, I don't know what purpose it serves. You know? I know who's not going to play in it, LeBron James. <laughs> Oh, hey, the LeBron people would try to use that tournament. If LeBron like won like a midseason tournament, they would probably like try to put that on his resume of why he's better than Michael Jordan. Uh, he won he, the midseason tournament. He's gonna load. <laughs> no, he will low manage that like like crazy. What is with you in the loge management? I have no idea. It <laughs> says load management, but I've I have no idea. <laughs> no, it's the loge seating at the Louisville football games, and yeah, <laughs> and load management for. Like NBA. I just I, I just don't I, I it's just weird because you know like most leagues like okay I know the NFL added added some games but like most leagues are trying like not to overburden their players. Yeah, and, and, it, and they're saying that the stats and their and the, the wins go to their you know towards their regular season record, but I just don't know why like, what's like, the purpose of tournament? Like, like what do you win? Better playoff seating maybe I yeah, like, are they trying to spice up like the All Star season or something? Uh, yeah, because I remember they used to do for the baseball. You know, for the baseball play, I used to be that the winner of the All Star game got home that that league got home advantage in the finals. You know, in the World Series, like I remember they did that for a few years. Like, do you think like like it, would that be something that would interest you? Like, if if the winner of that tournament, whoever won it, that their league would get home court, like. You know, I, I would still rather have the rest and rest my body. Yeah, I just I, I mean, but like that that's just me. If it's up to me, I'm I would like, no, I'm gonna sit this one out because it, yes, you know, having that home court advantage would be dope in your first playoff game if you make it to the playoffs, whatever, but still it's like why do I wanna play any extra games? Like why do I wanna yeah, like that's a stress and a strain on my body when I need to save it for the playoffs when it's when it's really going to matter. Like if they said that the winner of the the play-in tournament got home court throughout the playoffs, like that would be that would be the only thing where I could see where teams may actually 
try to play it. Like if they said you're going to have home court throughout the playoffs, then that would be like the only way that I would see guys taking it seriously. Like other than that, like why would you? And, and would a midseason tournament dilute your playoffs considering that you already had like a quote-unquote playoff style format earlier? Well, I mean, I guess it wouldn't because it's only going to be apparently a single elimination, so it's going to be like set up like the NCAA tournament. Basically, just be playing it down from the round of 32 and just seeding all the teams and then just playing it out one game at a time. And, of course, in the NBA, of course, it's, you know, single elimination, anything can happen. But how many teams try to lose on purpose because – because they don't care and want the extra days. Oh, the breath. Spurs would absolutely try to lose on purpose. Like of that's a, Popovich <laughs> would like. Yeah, we're done. He would play his third string guys. <laughs> if, he had, if he had third string, play all the G leaguers. Yeah. Hey, guess what? You guys get a one day yeah, contract. They would literally just have the Silver Stars play <laughs> their it, game. It'd be just like the dunk contest in the NBA where they give those guys those one day contracts. Yes. So. <laughs> like Russ Smith finally made it back. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> They may put Louisville's TBT team in the tournament, like literally. Give them all one-day contracts for somebody. Like, yeah, I, I, I just – I don't know. I just don't know what the NBA is trying to uh, achieve by doing it. You know, that that's 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 the only thing about it. I, I just – I don't know what you get about out of it. I don't know what – why anybody would care about it, why the players would care about it. It just – you know, I know they said that somebody said they just want to see these games go on so they can hear what how Charles Barkley, like, makes fun of whoever wins the championship. Like, while they're handing him the trophy, like, what he's going to say about him. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I just – very odd NBA. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what you're trying to do. They said they're trying to steal some, you know, some buzz back from football because, you know, like in the in the the dead of winter, as you're getting ready for Christmas time, it's kind of all about uh, football and what they're doing. So this is the NBA's opportunity to try to steal back some attention. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I I I just don't the see. The NFL it. is the NFL. You just have to live with it. Yes, I mean it is what it is. No, I I totally agree with you. I, I just I don't get it. Um, but I digress. I just I, it was just a very odd announcement earlier this week. Like I continued to hear that, that this might be a possibility um, that they would probably do something like this. Like I already don't like the fact that they have a play-in game. I know a lot of people like the play-in game and said that that's added some buzz. But the only reason why is because LeBron and his crew and Steph Curry and his crew played in the play-in game the first couple of years because they sucked. You know, and they use the playing game as a vehicle to try to get them into the tournament, uh, you know, into the playoffs. But, I mean, outside of that, do we really care about the playing game? Like, you're playing the, the number nine and number ten teams versus the number eight and number seven teams. Does anybody really care about that? Uh, you know, it all, all depends. I mean, some years they do. Like, this year, everybody everybody paid attention. Everybody cared. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And the teams that played in actually did pretty well once they got in. I mean, the Miami Heat made it all the way to the, you know, to the championship round. Yeah. You know, coming out of the playing tournament. So, I mean, I just – I don't know. The NBA is always – like, they seem – like, to me, it just makes yourself more gimmick. Like, to me, you get less credibility by adding a midseason tournament. It's like we don't take ourselves seriously as a league, so we're just going to do goofy stuff. Yeah, now, the midseason tournament sounds kind of minor league-ish. Yes. You know what I mean? It That's like a very du- minor league-ish. double-A or triple-A type deal. Because, like, you know that a lot of teams just won't care. Yeah, nobody's playing in that. I guarantee you Kawhi Leonard's not going to play. He, it's hard enough to get him to play in regular season games as it is. Zion will not play. No. <laughs> no. 
he'll be off somewhere making bad decisions. Yes. <laughs> but not in that game. Ben Simmons will not play. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. You can go ahead and count it down. No, absolutely not. But uh, the, the other last NBA note I did want to get to today, uh, besides the playing term, is Damian Lillard. Okay, now, of course, earlier this week, Damian Lillard came out. He made the announcement that he wanted to uh, leave Portland. He asked Portland to go ahead and, you know, make him available to other teams. But the only problem, he only wants to play for the Miami Heat. And since making the request to be traded, the Damian Lillard people have gone on like this rampage of trying to basically threaten other teams from getting involved in the situation, saying, well, if Damian Lillard gets, uh, you know, gets traded to any other team, he's not going to want to play there, and he's not going to want to go there, and he's really going to hate it, and he's not going to want to be there. But the problem is this, Haven Harrington. Damian Lillard is a very, very good player. The Miami Heat aren't really offering anything. From what I understand, the Miami Heat is offering Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and like two second-round picks for Damian Lillard, a guy who just came off leading the NBA in scoring. Like, And, of course, the Portland Trailblazers are wanting to get their value, right? And they should. Absolutely. I mean, Damian Lillard's a great player. He might be the best point guard in the NBA right now. You know, so you're talking about a, an elite high-level player, and Portland wants to, you know, take care of their franchise and get value for their guy. And, you know, Lillard's crew, first of all, asking for the trade and requesting trade, which is fine, but to then basically say, I only want to go to this specific one team, that takes away all Portland's bargaining power, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, and – and from Miami's perspective, yes, they would love to have Damian Lillard, but there's other moves they can make to further strengthen their team. You know, I mean, so it, I mean, the Heat have tons of options. Lillard painted himself into a corner, and, and, the, and the Trailblazers can accept that deal. This is, like you said, it's one of the best point guards in the league. You're not going. You're not going to take Tyler Harrow and somebody else and yeah, Duncan Robinson. And, like really, yeah, and two second round picks. <laughs> People in the NBA hate second round picks. Nobody wants that. I mean, it just it just to me it seems like this is going to end up. You know, I've heard that they've they've talked about other teams getting involved and trying to add assets to be able to make this thing happen. Going to you know the route of maybe a three team or a four team deal or you know even bigger trying to make this happen. Like if I'm the Trailblazers, I'm going out there and I'm going to find the best deal possible. Like I'm not gonna paint myself into a corner. I appreciate Dame and I appreciate what he's done for the team and for the franchise, but uh yeah, I'm going to have to trade you, brother, wherever I can get the best value. Like when when you get four first round picks for Rudy Gobert, you know, when, when the Utah Jazz are able to make that trade and get players and four first round picks, like I'm not settling for less than that. You know, if you if if you're going to get make a Rudy Gobert trade for that type of deal, then I'm not trading Dame Lillard for any less. And why would you? Yeah. He's a much better player. Absolutely. I mean, come not, on. Not even close. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, Damon, I, like, they should have just kept their mouth shut and, you know, try to get the deal done behind doors because, I mean, I think they just did Portland a disservice by trying to force it out because it's going to end up – there's going to be – somebody's feelings is going to get hurt <laughs> and there's going to be bad blood somewhere. That's just kind of the way. And plus the thing was, not only – are you talking about a guy who has a lot of value? Did you realize? I didn't even realize this. 
Damian Lillard is on the what played on the first year. He just signed a five year, I believe it was two hundred and fifty million dollar deal. So he's making fifty million a year. So that's a big contract to move anyway. Oh but, yeah, like he's literally the. I think he's the highest paid player in basketball. So with a contract that huge, it's very difficult to add that salary to any roster for a guy making 50. I mean, LeBron's not making 50 million. Anthony Davis ain't making 50 million. Nobody's making that. So, I mean, but here's the thing, like Portland, you know, and I, I understand where Damian Lillard's coming from because he does not want to be like Barry Sanders, right? Yeah. You know, sticking out with your team and they give you an okay coach, you know, some pretty decent players around you. To make you to make it seem like they're doing everything they can to win, we know like they really don't care because no people come to see you and they don't make money because people come just to see you, right? And I'm sure that's the way Damian feels about Portland, like to give him lip service to saying that we're gonna build a team around you, but then they only half heartedly go out to build a team around you. So I get it, but I, this may not be the best way to negotiate your your uh, your your leave. From Portland, and I just it, it's a it's a very messy situation. It went from a situation where Dane was trying to hang on. You know, they did go ahead and draft Scoot Henderson with the second pick, which kind of signaled that there may be a breakup coming. Just because Dame said he did, he wasn't interested in a rebuild situation. Um, you know, like it it, it was kind of one of those things that was. Uh, I mean, no, Dame wanted them to go out while, while free agency was still hot. Yes. And go get him some superstars to play with. Yes. And, use and use the, that number two pick to go out there and get me a superstar to play with. And they didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, and, and with Portland deciding that they're going to go with the youth movement, I mean, and they do got some nice young players. Uh, you know, they have some nice young guys. They have some some talent on that roster. Um, but it just seemed like they were – because, like, they gave, like, Jeremy Grant, like, a big contract also. Like, they drafted Scoot Henderson, which is a kind of a signal that they're going to be going young. But then they signed Jeremy Grant, which is a sign that they were going to try to compete now. They re-signed Jeremy Grant. Like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what Portland was trying to get done. Because now they're saying, well, now they may try to trade Jeremy Grant. But I don't know how many other teams want to pay that much money for kind of a role player. Like, Because, yeah. I mean, on the good team, Jeremy Grant's a role player. So, you know, are you really wanting to pay, uh, you know, pay $35 million a year to a role player? Like, who who wants that contract? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Portland's kind of screwed themselves I over. Mean, like like I said, it's, it seems like Portland was literally just trying to just pay lip service and thought they could still keep Damon Lillard anyway. Absolutely, yes. That's exactly what they did. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You're not about to bury Sanders me, and I'm not trying to retire. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Blazers, the Blazers, are, yeah, like they're trying to be a little bit pregnant. Like it just, they want to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to, you know, be make everybody happy. Just basically do what they want to do. Keep their box office draw, which is Damian Lillard, and then also have their youth movement because I mean they do have Shaden Sharp, they do have Anthony Simons, they have some nice young players. Jeremy Grant's an okay player, but he's not a superstar. And you know, they, they just, they, it seems like they're trying to do a rebuild, but also be able to sell tickets. By keeping Dame Lillard, so you it's, know it's not a very good rebuild. They're just literally just playing around the edges. Yeah, no, no. It's it's 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that. But I, I tell you what, Haven. I did want to get to this one um, NFL note uh, that I saw come across the wire. Uh, and of course, uh, you know the the Baltimore Ravens. They gave Lamar Jackson his money. Um, they finally got him some some you know got got him some money. They they got him a new offensive coordinator. They finally got rid of Greg Roman. But the interesting thing that came across that I saw, Odell Beckham Jr. has been singing the praises of Lamar Jackson in terms of, you know, that they've started, they're, they're getting ready for fall camp to open. When's fall camp start for NFL? NFL's like, it's like, what, two weeks away? Uh, it is. It comes up, up pretty soon, right? Yeah. About a two weeks to week away, yeah. Yeah, so it's a week or two. I, yeah, I know. Mini camp is already going on. Yes, right now. mini camp's already going on. OTAs, um, you know, I think think they just got done with. So, so they're doing the mini camps, but they have been singing like uh, Odell Beckham. Seems like he's been absolutely blown away by Lamar Jackson's ability. We've seen a lot of uh, video of him working out with uh, uh, Flowers, Zay Flowers, the uh, the first round pick. But like, I know that the. Um, uh, 2K, not the not 2K, the uh, the what's the NFL one? Madden. Madden. Yes, I was gonna say Madden uh, NFL 2K. <laughs> uh, but John Madden Football came out with their rankings of the top five quarterbacks for this upcoming Madden 24. Okay, Lamar Jackson wasn't on that list. Number one, of course, was Patrick Mahomes. Um, n- number two um, was, of course, uh, uh, the what's his name, uh, Joe up in uh, Joe Burrow up in Cincinnati. Number three being Josh uh, Allen. Uh, number four being Jalen Hurts, and number five being uh, the kid from the Chargers. Um, Herbert. Uh, yeah, Justin Herbert was number five. Lamar Jackson was not in the top five quarterback ratings uh, in Madden. And, and you know, I, I feel like because he kind of, I guess the last couple of seasons he's been, uh, he got injured two years ago, and last year he kind of just didn't come back <laughs> from his little you know, sin injury. Like, do you feel like the NFL is kind of sleeping on Lamar right now? Like, uh, do, do you think they're kind of taking for granted exactly how good he is? I mean, because to not be to be left out of the top five quarterbacks and to have like Herbert and Hurts rated over him, I can see Hurts being rated over him. Can you? Yeah. You think just you think Jalen Hurts is better than Lamar Jackson? I don't as think, a player. I don't think he's better, but he went to Super Bowl, so that put him over the top. But that's a team achievement. It is a team achievement. He had the best offensive line in football and had two number one wide receivers. Well, here's the thing. That is a team achievement, but we know we tend to put all the accolades on quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, no, I I understand your reasoning behind it, but do you think that he's a better player than Lamar Jackson? No. Do you think think Justin Herbert is a better player than Lamar Jackson? No. Like, but Justin Herbert is also statuesque. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and is your prototypical <laughs> NFL quarterback. He, is, he has the look. That he has he, the look. And he's your prototypical NFL quarterback. Like, I can understand the arguments for uh, Josh for Allen. Allen. I get I can understand Allen. Burrow. I, I can understand Burrow. I get it. Mahomes, yeah. obviously. Mahomes and absolutely, I can understand Mahomes. But those other two. I feel like that's disrespectful. I think you can make an argument for Jalen Hurts. But you can't make an argument for Justin Herbert. I mean, you Justin just Herbert can't. better than Lamar Jackson? No. Are we serious? No. I mean, Lamar's doing it with tight ends. Lamar was like literally throwing the tight ends. Yes. His entire career. And the worst wide receiving core <laughs> in the NFL for like the last 
four years. Yeah. And no offensive line. I mean, so I just I, I say all that to say it, it, it's very interesting, you know, hearing Odell Beckham and his praise for Lamar and just being kind of blown away with just how good he is and some of the things he can do. I feel like this is kind of going to be one of those Empire Strike Back seasons for the Ravens. Like, yeah, we're going to make y'all remember exactly who we are. Like, Lamar has a lot of motivation to go out there and play well. Um, I, I think that he has a lot of incentive. And that was just kind of the most recent thing to where I, I really feel like people are sleeping on the Ravens. I thought the Ravens had a great offseason. Uh, I don't really think they understand just how bad Greg Roman was as an offensive coordinator. The man should have been fired three years ago. My thing's like, like I still don't think people know how to take Lamar Jackson just yet because he's been in such a run. Like, even though technically Josh Allen runs more, runs a lot more. And Lamar's been one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL since he got into the NFL. Yes. but Let, people, Let's just ignore the fact that he's been one of the best passers in the NFL. But – the thing is, like when he runs, he's just so electric. I think it just takes everybody's breath away. Like watching him, like fake everybody out and like run past people. Like Josh Allen runs like Bo Jackson, right? Josh Allen's one of those guys. He's yeah. He's, Bo Jackson. Let's not say speed. Bo Jackson. Let's say can we say John Elway? <laughs> no, because because Elway. Did Josh run. Allen reminds me more of a John Elway. Like no, Bo Jackson. No, no, no. Okay, no. But I say he runs like Bo Jackson. I mean, like Bo used to always run over at least one person per game. I mean, but let's not use Bo Jackson. Can okay, we? okay. Like, he's about, too expl- like Bo Jackson's like my favorite. Like about, I, you know what? How about a Raiders this? fan, dude. Like it's disrespectful saying Josh Allen runs like Bo Jackson. How about I'm this? How about this? How about Earl Campbell? As an, a a power style, like he's okay. a power. All right, like, like like he's a power quarterback. Yes, runner. You yes. know, all right. Will Will Levis when he ran over like yes, Louisville. yeah, that's fair. But that, yeah, I just couldn't go with the Bo Jackson. I just that that, that right, did, it's gone too far. Yes, okay, okay. It did too much. But but you know what I'm saying he's like he's he's a power runner, right? Yes, but he he doesn't run around anybody. He likes to run through guys. Yes, and you know, Lamar's like Gail Sayers. Yeah, sweetness, Walter Payton. More like Gail Sayers. Even though I, I know Gail Sayers before your time, and actually it's almost like before my time, so I barely remember his Gail Sayers. I've only seen like highlights of him. Yes. But he just, he, he just kind of glided across the field, right? Yes. It wasn't like he was running. He was just kind of just gliding wherever he wanted to go. Yes. And it was like super shifty. You know, it was like that's Lamar Jackson. Just, and it was a much more exciting style of running. And people just get so excited and enamored when he takes on and off. They forget that he's like, He's actually a great passer. Like, like I said, he's literally been one of the best passing quarterbacks in the league since he got into the league. And I think having Zay Flowers is going to make all the difference in the world. They're only the second team, Haven, to ever have five first-round wide receivers on one roster. It's only the second time that's that's happened since, like, 91. I believe it. Like, so, I mean, they, they have everything they need. Yes, I know Nelson Aguilar is – you know, it was kind of a bust, and, you know, yep. a, lot, a lot of these guys were not as good as build. But, you know, when you talk about Zay Flyers, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Odell Beckham Jr., you add in Aguilar, um, you actually, got a lot of talent. Actually, I expect Zay Flowers to be the best out of all of them. Really? You think he's going to be better than Odell? Odell has been saddled with injuries. I mean, Odell and Rashad Bateman, those two guys got to stay healthy, right? Yeah, and but, but I mean, but they haven't proven they can stay healthy. That's the thing. 
And if you look at uh, Odell's production, it's like really dropped off the past couple of years. Some of that could be because who was throwing the ball to him, you know, at, at, at Cleveland. But his production has dropped off a lot since he left the Giants. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Absolutely. No, I I definitely agree with it. I'm just telling y'all, y'all sleeping on them, Madden people. Y'all better come correct once the season starts. And the Ravens come out and start whooping everybody's tail. If he's still rated lower than Justin Herbert, I'm on y'all. You're going to be coming back. I'm going to send you a tape of who shot you. Quit sleeping on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, the comeback. 2023-24. It's real. For Haven Harrington, this is Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502. And we out of here.